Welcome to the Life as an Observer podcast. My name is Ryan Bean. I am your host in self-observation. This podcast is an exploration of physical and non-physical self through discussion around yoga, meditation, self-improvement, self-realization, and practices that elevate the mind-body-soul connection. Let's start observing. This episode of Life as an Observer is made possible by patron support. If you'd like to support this program, you can visit patron.podbean.com backslash life as an observer to learn more. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast today. Uh, it's a new year. It's uh, 2022. I know you guys are all aware of that, but it's kind of exciting to see where we've come from. I think if we kind of do a little bit of reflecting, we, we find that we've done a lot in the last two years and it's just kind of gone by and we're talking about some of the same stuff, right? We're still talking about COVID. We're still talking about our politicians. We're still talking about the economy and schools. We're still talking about a lot of different things. And there's some been some new things, you know, there's been changes like in court, you know, this podcast is something that's new that's come out of these last two years. And um, we've had ups and we've had downs and we've had troubles and we've had joys and successes. And um, I guess I just wanted to take a moment here at the beginning of this year with this first podcast um, to just say I'm really grateful for the audience that's that's showed up for you, for you for coming and being a part of something that I listened to inspired action on, something that I said, okay, I'll just do that. I don't know what I'm doing, but uh, I'll listen and I'll create. And this podcast, along with its patron page, has become a quite an outlet for me for uh, just creating things that are meaningful to me and that are hopefully meaningful to you as a way of expression and almost... Uh, kind of finding this labyrinth of my thoughts through the podcast, just kind of finding my way through it. So I'm very grateful that we, that we have this together. Um, definitely, if you're enjoying the, the, what you've heard over the last year, uh, give me a review. I would really love the podcast to get reviewed more so we can have uh, more guests. And, uh, you know, if you're on Apple or podcasts or Google or Spotify, I think Spotify doesn't have an option for that, but the the other ones do. Just give us a review and you know, sharing the podcast is super helpful. I've noticed over, especially the last couple months, uh, more shares happening and, uh, of course, that it increases the listenership. So pretty, pretty cool. So I'm going to kind of get into what's going to happen um, in this podcast. I'm going to kind of review a, a topic that came to me um maybe a week or so ago, and I've just been thinking about it, and I've had a lot of it kind of researched and put together, but I, I've been sitting on I've been sitting on uh, recording it because I'm still learning, and maybe that's kind of part of it. So anyway, the topic today is going to be around awareness, and but I think that's really great that I'm still learning. Um, you know, that's we're kind of on our on our own journey. So. Before we get started, um, make sure you give us a follow. Um, you know, whether whatever uh, service you're listening on, um, you can also find me at Ryan Bean Yoga on the social media pages and um, on Insight Timer, just my name, Ryan Bean. But I'm going to be talking a lot about retreats that I'm doing this year. I've kind of listened to Inspired Action again, and 
kind of changed the path, really putting more of an effort into um, life as an observer this year, um, trying to, to really put in some substantial effort to uh, create and have content. But I'm also going to be doing a lot of things with retreats. So if you are one who really likes to get away and do retreats, please follow me on the social media pages. And if you look into the comment section um, of each podcast, I, or not the comments, but the the show notes, you'll see um, usually I post retreats that I'm doing there. So I know I have one scheduled for March and I have one scheduled for April. I have one scheduled for May, a really long one, though. I think it's going to be in and out the entire month of May. So I'm going to be posting those soon as I can. Um, I'm just, I guess, waiting for like the official ticketing links and whatnot to go live from the producers of those so that I can offer those to you. So there is that. Um, most of those are going to be in southern Utah, but I do have some other ones that are um, abroad from the United States, and I have some that are also on the East Coast. So if you're interested, just message me. Start commenting, and I will be happy. I'm pretty good about responding. However, um, if you're listening to this uh, as it comes out uh, the week of the 10th, of January uh, this week and next week I'm going out of the country to to go and spend some time in the the beautiful mountains of Poland doing some training and a certification with the with with uh, my teacher so um, I may not get back that quick however this particular certification um, with uh, Wim Hof method um, will allow me to kind of be able to to host more workshops and retreats with you so um, something that we've been practicing together um, and talking about, but this will actually allow you to come in and spend some time with me and get certified. So um, really excited about that. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, awareness. And I, I wanted to start, I was actually teaching a, a class today and the particular quote that I, that I opened up, I don't remember where I found it, but I want to share it with you anyway. Um, and I, I, I cropped it in a way where I don't have the author. So my apologies, but We'll say unknown author at this time, but try your best to love or at least uh, appreciate everyone and everything that comes into your life. There are usually some people that you don't care too much about and are hard to get along with, but instead of allowing your dislike to continue, try sending them your love and light and try to turn them into be being a friend. We don't often notice the small things that come along because we get so caught up in our day-to-day -day lives that we fail to enjoy the literal pleasures of life. If something doesn't go your way or someone disappoints you, make an effort to find the lesson in that. Do your best to stay positive throughout your day and be optimistic. Others will recognize this quality in you and benefit from your good attitude. Always realize that others are battling a variety of hardships as well as you, and we should always realize that by treating them with kindness, uh, the, the whole quote is great, but really I wanted to emphasize the end. We don't know what others are going through. We have no clue. We can assume, we can see, think that we know how it feels for us, but we don't really ever know what others are dealing with. And even if you ask them, you don't know how it's affecting their, their body. You don't know how it's affecting their nervous system. You don't know how it's affecting their emotions. And even if you've gone through something similar, even the same thing, you could be affected differently. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today as we uh, talk about awareness and what that really means. So I 
kind of classified this in in two different areas and one of them is what what is awareness what is awareness and how that relates to my highest potential that's a very personal awareness introspective awareness and another is how we relate to others so really there's our introspection and then there's our outrospection of awareness and i think everything can be kind of classified into those two areas pretty much you know, I was today. I because I'm traveling to Europe. I had to go and get the the good old PCR COVID nineteen test, and uh, you have to you know go across the border with that in hand. And there's like a three day um, lag or whatever processing time. I won't call it lag, but processing time to receive it back. And I leave, but when I leave. I have to have one that's no more than I think 72 hours old. Okay, so it's three days in waiting, and it can't be three three days old, and it's you know two days in travel for me. Very tricky to navigate. So of course, you know, waiting for the, in this line, which happened to be over two hours, uh, by the time I was driven all the way through it, I watched myself getting a little bit frustrated and saying, "Why am I going through all this? I don't have it." I'm good. I'm fine. I work on my immune system every day with breath work. You know, I, I had this narrative happening in my, in my mind. And, you know, even, even as the attendant was coming to the, I could feel this agitation with even him coming up to the window to ask me, you know, about my symptoms, if I had any. Of course, I, I didn't at this time. So I, I had to take a step back and, and take my awareness away from myself, me sitting in my car for two hours. And really put it towards this gentleman who was wearing a reflective vest over the top of um, uh, kind of a plastic gown, uh, face mask, a face shield, sunglasses, um, you know, just out in the sun uh, scanning barcodes to get you in line and kind of put myself more into his shoes. And then as I started to do that, I started to look at all the cars behind me and how far I'd come. Some of those people may be sick and wondering if they have COVID or wondering if they had a cold or a flu or, you know, maybe they're just scared. Maybe they're just scared and they're just trying to get some peace and ease in their life. So I started to put myself in each car, <laughs> which I could, only as car as back as I could see and only as far forward as I could see. But I started to almost do an inventory and just sending love. And you can never put yourself in their shoes or really understand what they're going through. But you can say, hey, I don't know what you're going through, but it's going to be okay. You know? And so I started to do that. And I just came to this really beautiful realization that it's all working out the way it's supposed to. And I'm going to kind of dig deeper into this in, in, in as we go forward. I want to talk a little bit about Carl Jung. And Carl Jung... Um, well, let's, let's talk about his, his fog of illusion, or sometimes he talked about it as shadow. And he said that people will only do, or sorry, people will do anything, no matter how absurd, to avoid facing their own souls. Let's dissect that a little bit and unpack it. But people will do anything, no matter how absurd, to avoid facing their own souls. To avoid facing their own souls. And how often do we get the chance to do that? Well, I mean, if you're on your path to awakening, 
you'd be probably doing it a lot through practices like meditation and yoga and breath work, maybe plant journeys. And maybe you're experimenting with, with just being introspective, journaling and writing and really feeling how you feel. At those points, certainly your shadow will show itself. Um, if you're like most people, you probably have a decent idea about what your desires are and your values and your beliefs and your opinions. And maybe you, you kind of think of yourself as being a good person. But if there's anything that, that you can do, at least connecting um, to, into the universe, you can go inward. That's how you go inward and get to the universe. Is you, you don't try to reach to the sky to get to the universe. You reach inward to get to the universe. And that's really where you get to know who you are. If much of what you have come to believe about yourself, about your morality, and what drives you, what are your, your desires and needs and whatnot. But before you launch into this thought of, I really know myself, or um, you don't really know me, let's think about something. Have you ever like really acted on an impulse? Have you ever done something on an impulse or um, done something that maybe you regretted afterward? And after that damage is done to whomever or for you, you go, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I, why did I act that way? Why did I do that thing? And I'd like you to know that the reason why you did that is you met your shadow. You met your shadow in a time of impulse where you walked into what was happening based upon what you um, have maybe reacted to in the past. So you were going into past programming. And that is not all your shadow self, but that's part of who your shadow self is. Carl Jung went on to say that the shadow is a moral problem that challenges the whole ego personality. For no one can become conscious of the shadow without considerable moral effort. To become conscious of it involves recognizing the dark aspects of the personality as a present and real. This act is the essential condition for any kind of self-knowledge. So the shadow is a concept that, that Carl Jung kind of came up with. And for one reason or another, we have uh, parts of ourselves that we don't like. All right. So, or that maybe that society doesn't like about us. So we push those parts down into our, into our unconscious thinking. And um, sometimes they come, they come up as triggers, uh, unfortunately. Uh, well, maybe it is fortunate that we can learn from that. You know, it feels like we're kind of rejecting ourselves and who we think we are. And you know, we always hear all these words about loving yourself. But there are certain things that are undesirable in those uh, social interactions. Um, I want to talk a little bit about this highest potential piece. That's one of the, the options for um, getting to, uh, into awareness. So your highest potential. And there's lots of ways we can do that. I mean, there, we, we can really start to do this self-work. And sometimes that takes us really going into uh, aggressive impulses, shameful experiences, being vulnerable, um, and really starting to almost judge ourselves in a way. You may get caught up in this uh, occasionally where you start to judge others, where you're like, that is really ridiculous. That is really sad the way they're doing that. That is not the way I would do it, right? But the thing is, people are also pointing that out in you. So 
to go into our highest self or our highest potential, we have to really separate it in to this, I hate to call it techniques because we're not always, I don't want to be a technique collector, but we can do some self-work in these states of being. So just by simply doing a little bit of work, meaning maybe it's physical work that you need. And so you just want to move a little bit, find some a movement practice, and you become aware of things that you're good at, things that you need some work on. Maybe your back bend isn't so good, your splits aren't the greatest. Maybe you're really great at balance. And so you start to kind of noticing these things that you're good at, but the shadow says, well, I'm not good at balancing because I've never been good at balancing. And the shadow says, well, you're too overweight to be rock climber, right? So you have to listen and be aware that that shadow will pop up from time to time Reminding you of things that you have thought. If you're working on your spiritual self, maybe you're doing more work in just meditating, being being present with yourself, maybe just spending times of introspection. But then here comes the shadow again, right? So the shadow may come around and say, you can't sit still during Shavasana. You don't know how to meditate. What are you even doing? And that's for us to become aware of those thoughts coming and saying, ah, I have felt that way before, but this is me moving into a new state of awareness. You may have emotional um, things that you're working through, and that has to do with managing and identifying sensations in your body. Uh, I find the breath work really helps me with that. Sometimes you just start crying for no reason and you're wondering why. Well, there's a lot of Uh, things that are suppressed. And maybe those are also part of our shadow. Things that are suppressed that just kind of come out, they get released. And then we start to be able to work in them. So we can work on our inner and our outer environment. And when we work inward, we can do that. Meditation is a great way. So we can kind of really work into our cells. We can work into our thoughts. We can work into our bodies. And we can really start to begin to witness and just finding that place that Ram Dass says that where it's quiet and we can hear more. Well, when we start to look at our outer environment, when we start to look at our highest potential, we have this bottom-up regulation that happens in our bodies. And, you know, when we start to sense things like hot or cold or danger or pleasure, a signal gets sent to our brain and our, our beautiful brain begins to dissect that and decide what to do with those. The problem is uh, the brain knows a lot and it's quite smart, but it's quite archaic in some ways because things that we find are fearful, that we find fear, and we have this bottom-up signal where we sense it and then we react to it, are actually inaccurate. Things that we fear like uh, change, (laughs) things that we fear like love, things that we fear like learning more, they give us this anxiety sometimes and this noradrenaline release that makes us feel really uncomfortable. But yet, these are opportunities for us to grow. And maybe that is some other actual signals, like a, a cold signal when you get into an ice bath that says, ooh, you're in trouble, you need to run. But when you actually sit into it, you're perfectly fine. And it is you training your mind to sit with that hormetic stress in a way that allows you to be present and introspective. Those who have been following for a while know that 
For me, ice baths are the perfect place to be introspective about who you really are and how you really feel. And really to be uh, perfectly grounded, it is a place of center for me. I mean, I will tell you, even, even this week, I went and did an ice bath and I try to try to do one every day. Uh, usually we'll say five out of seven days I'm doing ice baths, but one, this particular ice bath, I got in it and sat for maybe, for some of you, this may not seem like a lot. Some of you may seem like a lot, but I sat for maybe five minutes where my intention was to be in for about 15. And I sat for like five minutes and I just needed to get out. I just was done. I was, it was just completely done. I didn't want any more and it was in a beautiful environment and I just didn't want any more. And to me, that was not my shadow speaking. That was me being introspective saying, I've had enough. I don't need to push myself any harder. To me, the shadow would be the one that would say, you must stay longer because you made that commitment to yourself. And I think that the, the wiser the wiser of the, of the thoughts is the light that says, you've been doing this a lot. You're, this is all you need. You're, you're in a perfect place of calm. It's time to exit the ice bath. And I was glad that I did that. Now, I will tell you that I, when I got out, I kind of warmed up a little bit. I moved a little bit, and then I got right back in. Because I was like, I was listening to my shadow telling me, my ego almost saying, you made a commitment to get back in. I went and got back in, and I sat there for maybe another two or three minutes. And I was like, no, I really need to listen to, to the light in me that's saying go. Because who knows? Maybe that was an indicator that I needed to get home. Or maybe I'm avoiding an accident or something along those lines just by listening. So to me, that was a really, um, it was really introspective for me to really take that inspired action. So, um, you know, we can begin to judge others. I, I see that especially as I, as I teach these classes. And people point out um, kind of what their own insecurities are as flaws in another. Um, it's really kind of... Uh, interesting to sit back and watch if you're a people watcher like me and to see people say things like uh, let's say you're watching a sports game and they says well you know all he needs to do is do this and this and then we'll win the game yeah i'm not much of a sports fan but you understand where i'm going if, if our team would only do this thing if that coach wasn't so dumb if that player had better you know, practice more. He's done this a whole season, whatever, whatever people say. But really, in a way, that's their own flaws they're pointing out because we can be really brutal. We can be extremely brutal to others. But yet when it's pointed back at us, we become insecure. So taking that, that temper, if you will, um, and pointing out flaws in others is not helping you become aware that's actually the opposite of, of keeping you aware. That's you putting up this shield, this shield of um, maybe even victimization, but putting up a, a shield that is not allowing those who are in your awareness to come into your awareness, to your thoughts, to your things. You're just basically putting up a shield that says you're no good. And this quick-tempered thing um, to, to put others down, especially if they're in uh, positions below us. You know, when I was working as an employee before I was the boss, I did it this way. And you see how far I've come. But again, we don't know what other people are working with. We don't understand um, how 
they are dealing with what they're dealing with. And this takes us into our second step of awareness, which is how we relate to others. Now, when we start to step into others' shoes and we say, okay, I can acknowledge that biases and prejudices exist. I can acknowledge that. And I, people have, uh, form assumptions all the time about others based on their appearance, um, noticing certain things about them. Um, how, however, we can easily take this too far and, and veering into a very toxic and prejudiced and dark, dark shadow if we really wanted to. But with so much social pressure to eradicate um, uh, prejudices and and discrimination. It's it's really um, easy to sometimes pretend, right, that they're ah, I'm not racist, I'm not homophobic, I'm not sexist, I'm not this. I have a cousin, I have a brother, my daughter is dating someone. Whatever we can make up all these different um, reasons why we're not prejudiced or um, homophobic or whatever, and going into those stereotypes that we may be harboring, but. That's really just, again, a shield. What is actually coming up? You may not believe in those things as your own bias, but you're saying it in a way that it was a bias or that people have told you that you need to be aware that you could have a bias or that there's certain things that are not socially acceptable to say. So you have to put a post or pre or post script in front of what you're saying. Well, I'm not a racist, but I saw this thing, right? And really what you're doing is you're, you're allowing your shadow to come out. You're allowing that shadow that is trying to be very, very careful in the world of social justice. I hear it all the time where we have to acknowledge these things and we have to talk about it and communicate. And yes, I would agree that we do need to talk about them. I think it's important. Education is most important. But I think more than... More than any of that, we need to acknowledge that it's our shadow and that your shadow will always be with you. You're always going to be light. You're always going to be dark. And it's not about us changing ourselves to create a new narrative. It's about knocking down the wall a little bit and softening it, softening it to give space for growth, saying, hey, this comes up often. Don't know if it's you. Maybe it was me at one time. And I think it's really us going into vulnerability, right? It's just saying, well, maybe that was me at one time, but now I know better. And beginning to examine that parts of you. So I want to talk a little bit about our social interactions. And our social interactions are kind of part of this, how we relate to others. You know, we have uh, our social media, of course, but our social interactions where we go out into groups where we maybe go dancing, we go to music, we go to restaurants, we go to concerts, we do things that are socially interacting, right? And we sometimes create this narrative or even a, a, a complex around who we think we are. This, I am a yoga teacher, I'm so enlightened. I know so much because I've read this book. And this is actually not a really great way to go about interacting and making friends. Um, 
read this quote. It's by Alexander Soltheidsen. I'm probably slaughtering the name, but Soltheidsen. If only it were so simple. If there were if there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to par- separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being and who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart. The shadow is with us all, friends. Seeing the shadow within ourselves is extremely difficult, but we're really good at seeing this shadow trait in others. The truth be told, we, we're in it every day. Okay? We're in our shadow every single day. We love calling out these qualities in others, but in fact, the entire news, the entire gossip, everything that's out there is built upon this fundamental human tendency of uh, the superiority or complex. I'm better than that. Look what I do instead of that. And seeing others that we don't admit also lies within what Carl Jung calls projection. So um, although our conscious minds are avoiding our own flaws, they're still there. We still got to deal with them on a deep level. So we magnify those flaws in others and we reject them. Um, then we mostly, he says we, we, we reject them to protect ourselves. <laughs> and a uh, very interesting way to kind of, to kind of go deep into that. I, I'm looking here. To relate to others, we need to define how you feel with that other person. Now, this seems like a lot to do just to have a conversation, right? But how do we feel about that? interaction with that person. And I don't mean, do you like them as a person? What I mean is, what is the significance of this interaction for us? Is it friendly? Is it to define roles? Is it to um, learn from them? Is it to steal from them? Is it to love them? Or is it them to uh, love us? Seeing as we move into this dynamic institution of relationships, we start to have to define what it is that that interaction is going to cause. I remember years ago, I used to say that every relationship is temporary. Every relationship is temporary, whether it be through the entirety of your life, this incarnation, or maybe it's just, um, a temporary thing to teach you a lesson, to guide you to a place, to help you out. It's the universe interacting. And we have to start to go into what is the reason for this relationship as we begin to, how do we relate to others? Well, the ego desires what it wants out of that relationship, right? So if it's learning, if it's love, if it's desire, if it's sexual pleasure, if it's money, whatever it is that you're trying to gain from that, even if it has good intentions, it may have some shadow intentions. So we have to kind of go inwardly on that and go, what am I trying to get out of this? Now, there's also a second part of that, which could be that that relationship is creating some codependency. Our need for that person to survive, whether that be financially or emotional support. And that's also really the shadow coming up saying, I can't do this on my own. I need someone else to do this. And well, if you're feeling that, friends, reach out. Reach out. I would like to hear from you about if that's something that you're caught in. Because I hear it, and 
part of me just doesn't understand it because I haven't been in that kind of relationship that I know of. Um, but it's not that I don't want to understand it. It's that I find that we go down these codependent relationship roles because it's what we've learned. It's what we've seen. And it's what has brought us joy, at least in small proportions, because we haven't been able to feel the largest portion of joy and happiness and love, which is within our own selves. We got to work there first. Then we can start working on the relationships we have outside. This is why how we relate to others, I kind of did secondly. Now, our emotional state together could also be codependent. It doesn't mean that we're the only one with a shadow in this relationship. Remember, everyone has a shadow. And maybe you function really good together as shadow. Just together. So we have to look at how and what emotions come up in our relationships. Maybe it be joy or anger or love, manipulation, um, fear. There's sometimes a fear of loss. Like, will I feel rejection if I don't leave this relationship? Our society teaches us that certain behaviors and emotional patterns um, are inappropriate sometimes, that they um, disrupt the flow of a functioning society. And even if disruption means challenging people to accept things that make them uncomfortable, anyone who is challenging becomes kind of an outcast and everyone else kind of moves on. Now we're humans, right? And we're social creatures. And the last thing we want is to be kicked out of humanity or kicked out of our tribe. So in order to avoid being cast out, we do whatever it takes. We learn this in our, in our early childhood development about getting along and sharing. And we spend our, our, our times learning all these little things. But when we cross the line, when we cross the line, as we often do, as we gain opinions, um, we get backlash. Uh, people will judge us, condemn us, talk about us, gossip about us, uh, not really understanding what it is that we're actually going through. And the only way to escape, uh, to escape this uh, reoccurring pain is to mask it. And we enter into the ego. We tell ourselves stories about who we are and who they are and what they don't know. And ultimately, we believe these stories. Uh, we begin to develop a really firm belief about it. We actually create even narratives that evolve. Things that sound better. When we told it the first time, it didn't sound as good, which um, <laughs> are lies. So we start to fabricate lies based upon making our story just a little bit stronger. Isn't that interesting that we become liars to cover the shadow? I remember uh, being... Uh, this was maybe 15 years ago. I didn't do the math here, but maybe 15 years ago. And I was kind of socially shunned from a group. And uh, there was not really any information there. It was just uh, social shunning, um, pushing away. Um, and it had to do with uh, not having enough information in, in a situation that had happened. And so, of course... Me, in my shadow, instead of arguing it and trying to fabricate things or make stuff up, I was, I'm still, I mean, I still am on my path to awakening, but I was definitely very young in the path to awakening then. I just decided to not 
retaliate. I decided I'm just not going to even justify myself or say anything. In doing so, from my perspective, the rumor that was passed and the social shunning that was happening stuck because I wasn't there to defend myself. And I was kind of put in this place of, well, I guess I'm losing relationships. I guess I'm losing friends. I guess I'm doing that. And that social interaction went away. Now, part of me thought, I really need them to be able to do what I wanted to do with my life. With, you know, the schooling that I wanted to go to, one of them happened to be a relationship that ended because of it. And part of me was very dependent on the life that I had fabricated with my words. Not the actual life that was there. This was the life that I had created based upon what I wanted. Carl Jung goes on to talk about, he says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and it will call it fate. Let's read that again. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and it will call it fate. So Carl Jung proposed this solution to this and he, he said that we needed to, filling the conscious mind with the ideal conceptions is the characteristic of Western um, philosophy, but not the confirmation with the shadow self and the world of darkness. One does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. Wow, making the darkness conscious. So this is about asking questions. So in that scenario that I had told you about with my friends, do I admit wrong? Do I fabricate stories or do I become vulnerable? It's frightening um, to think about, but that as a person also has a shadow side to them, uh, not just with their weaknesses and their follies and maybe these other um, things that they, they do, these habits or their moral character. And the individual seldom knows anything um, of this. To them, as an individual, it's incredible that they should ever in any circumstance go beyond themselves. But these are harmless creatures, form a mass, and these emerge as a raging monster. And each individual is only a tiny cell in the monster's body. So that for the better or for worse must accompany it on its bloody rampages and even assist it into the utmost. Having a dark suspicious suspicion of these grim possibilities, man turns a blind eye to the shadow side of human nature. And that's... Uh, uh, Carl Jung talking about that from his psychology of the unconscious. Wow. It's like it's we're, we're good people, we're bad people, we have the shadow side, we have our wants, our desires. And it's really about not rejecting those parts of us. So I want to kind of go into that and, and close with that is we need to integrate the shadow. This is a self-healing aspect of the psychological wounds that come up from our childhood, from our lives, from our shunning from friends, from being broken up with to having all kinds of different traumas in our life. And th this is a result of being, you know, hurt in some way. And then what we can accept is what's happened to us. Acknowledge that we did not deserve to be the hurt or the hurted or the, you know, the this one that was shunned. 
but there's this very intense and involved process that that's a separate it's a set we have to like step away from all of that that's happened and recognize that we can move forward that, that we're not just made up of that um experience we're not just made up of that experience so stepping away from it saying hey i am still learning i'm on my journey i tend to to cringe when people say well before i was awake well i think we're all awakening and we're learning we're learning about our shadow we're learning about our light we're learning about how to connect to others I had a, another situation the other day where I thought I was being helpful, saying, hey, I'm here to hold space for you. And that actually was a trigger. It was a trigger to, to this person that, that didn't want, that, that knew that I was there holding space. And I was very unaware that they were aware. And, but we see, again, this goes back to us not knowing the story. I don't know why that became a trigger. For me, I want to be reminded. I want to be told that I'm important, that I'm taking care of the spaces being held for me. But in others, they may not. They may just want you to show with their actions. Carl Jung goes on to talk about in his psychology and religion uh, book, if you imagine someone who is brave enough to withdraw all his projections, then you get an individual who is conscious of a pretty thick shadow. Such a man has saddled himself with new problems and conflicts. He has become a serious problem to himself, and he is now unable to say, thing, say that they do this or that they are wrong and that they must be fought against. Such a man knows that whatever is wrong in the world is in himself, and if he only learns to deal with his own shadow, he has done something real for the world. He has succeeded in shouldering at least a small part into the gigantic unsolved social problems of our day. Now, is it possible that all this begins with you recognizing that there's a shadow there, that there's things to work on. There's always something to work on. There's never like an end to it, right? So when you begin to work and heal and grow this awareness to your shadow, through meditation, through movement, through quiet times, through sound therapy, through plant journeys, we begin to become less reactive. We begin to really unconsciously begin acting in a way that is in our light. At that point, uh, hurting others less, hurting ourselves less. We build trust in our relationships and other things begin to open up to us opportunities and new relationships that are healthy. We begin to um, turn strangers into friends. Maybe we even do like random acts of kindness that are helping move, perpetuate and move that along as we begin to awaken and see that others have needs. When you hold yourself in this space, you'll really become a magnet. I think if we think about those who have really affected our, our social climate of this world, at least in our lifetimes, maybe even before our lifetimes too. But all of them held themselves in this space where it was vulnerability first and, hey, this is what I see and think and feel. 
And I want you to come along with me. I want us to get along. I want us to find peace and harmony and love and sharing. Um, there's so many to, to name, uh, you know, from the Dalai Lama to Desmond Tutu to all the sages that have crossed the earth to the many teachers of our time, Ram Das and um, you know, even Carl Jung talking here. I mean, there's so many. There's so many that, that, that have. And when we get out of this need to learn just for ourselves and really saying I'm learning to, to walk my path, to um, find this process, to help others, to teach. And this is really how I find when I learn something, I want to teach it. And that's what this podcast has become as a place for me to say, this is what I'm learning, going deep in my inner work and getting into those processes. And at that point, it truly becomes so much more than just about you. It becomes a, a, a global, it becomes a global thing. You working on your shadow, maybe influencing someone else who's working on their shadow, who influences someone else. And soon, the shadow work becomes saving the world work. Thanks for joining today, guys. Really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast on awareness. If you have any questions, message me. I would love to hear from you in the comments, um, wherever this is posted. I'm going to start doing some lives on uh, Podbean. So if you're at all interested in that when I get back from Europe, I'm going to be doing that. Look for some uh, interesting interviews, hopefully, that I can do while I'm there. Um, And if you're at all interested in sharing your story, your book, your concepts, reach out to me. I would love to talk to you. I would love to chat. I have been reached out to a few and those who I've reached out to and maybe not closed and, and got us on a, on, a, on a call. I apologize. Uh, we've had a lot happening here, um, getting ready and moving and making some changes, but I am certainly interested in chatting with all of you. Look forward to uh, our next episode of Life as an Observer um, here coming out in a week or so. Um, If you're interested in getting some additional content, you can always go over to the patron side of this page, which is found at patron.podbean.com, and then you put a slash in there, life as an observer, and you can find my patron page. I'll put a link in it in the show notes, but you can get into it for as low as $2, and there's some uh, really good content in there, different uh, meditations, breath work, and some even some... uh, unreleased interviews so you can get to them there for as little as two dollars a month Um, there's a sliding scale um, and you can get to it from that otherwise i look forward to seeing you guys this year let's see if we can meet up at a retreat or do some of these podcastings live would be really really fun so much love on working on your shadow this week friends take care